Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Your Story, Success, Setback, and Tragedy. I'm your host, Eric Reitz. Today's guest is Quentin David. Quentin was raised by his adoptive parents in Big Rock, Illinois. After graduating high school in 2011, he sought after his birth mother in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Upon arriving in Minnesota, Quentin became homeless due to an unfortunate setback. He slept on the streets and in shelters until he found his way back on his feet. He currently serves his country as a soldier and a traveling pastor from St. Cloud to Minneapolis. Music is how he survived his homelessness, and now it is a way of life for him. He landed a blind audition for The Voice in 2019 and is currently being coached by a few members of the Grand Ole Opry who are guiding him along his journey. Quentin, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Uh, let's just thanks, dig, Eric. Yeah, let's uh, let's dig right into it and let's tell your story. So, yeah, I think. So, how old were you when you? So you were eighteen when you left to come to Minnesota. Is that is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Um. It, I graduated in two thousand twelve. Okay. Um. You know and. <laughs> Really, it was one of those opportunities that you just um, the opportunity I'm I'm talking about is uh, getting a getting a chance to establish a relationship with my real mom. Um, this was a just one in a you know for me just either I was going to take it or I or I wasn't. Um, everything kind of al- everything kind of aligned itself. Um, and I had the opportunity to be on Facebook. Um, thank God for uh, Mark Zuckerberg. You know, uh, there <laughs> sure. are there are some blessings that come from his uh, his creation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but uh, I was online one night, and I got a friend request, and uh, I was a little. It was a, it was a little awkward. It was a little weird. You know, okay. um, didn't really. You know, want to didn't really want to accept it at first. A couple of weeks went by. This is the summer of this is the summer of 2012. Okay. Um, and after a while, I said, you know what? Okay, I'll just accept the request. Whatever. Found out that it was an old um, case manager of mine of when I was in the um, when I was in the system. Okay. So we exchanged a couple of um, a couple of messages, and she said that. Uh, she was connected with my mother mm-hmm. online, and I said, "Wow, okay, cool." Um, and at that point, she asked me, "Do you want to? Do you want to get to know her?" And I said, "Yeah." I mean, <clears throat> I was eighteen; uh, really didn't have anything to lose. Um, you know, home. You know, staying at home after graduating high school wasn't really. Uh, you know, it was very crowded. Parents were taking care of their kids, mm-hmm. so I thought this was a great opportunity to get out and just kind of um, embark on this new journey. So now Um, prior to this lady contacting you, um, you know, through your upbringing and being in Illinois with your adoptive parents, Mm -hmm. now did you, did you, like, how old were you when you were adopted? I was five. Okay. So this was, I was adopted December 23rd of 2000. Okay. So you were adopted, so... Like, did you, was it in through foster care or was, was how, how, how did this whole scenario start with you going into an adoptive family? Cause we'll catch up sure, yeah. to moving out, but mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I think it's important that we find a little bit of a backstory. Right. So five years old, you're adopted, but how did we get to that point of adoption at five years old? Well, um, you know, uh, 
my story was pretty pretty bad. Okay. Um, as a as an infant, um, there was um, there was a lot of there's a lot of different forms of abuse, mm-hmm. um, and when I was about the three or four, I had transitioned into a foster home. Okay, um, and upon that transition, some people were paying their you know uh, were were searching for children to adopt. Okay. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> this family, uh, they, they chose me. Um, and that was, that, 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 that entire part of my life was just, was just a blur. It was just magical. Um, I can remember distinctly being in the courtroom and the, in the judge, um, or the officials asking me if I wanted to, Adopt them, sure. Yeah. You know, um, and I said, "Well, I don't think I have a choice." <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So um, that the 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 um, the transition into the foster home, and then uh, upon several visitations, they said, "You know, yeah, we want to we want to uh, have Quentin be a part of our family," mm-hmm. um, and that was that was at that point around age five. Okay, so, yeah. So did you? Did they already have other children or no? Not? I was their I was their first. The first one, and did they have subsequent children after that? Um, yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, Were they all adopted or not? Yes. Yep. Okay. All of my siblings um, uh, are adopt are adopted. Okay. Um, I have. Oh, sometimes it's hard to keep track. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, biologically, I have um, five other siblings. Okay. Um, I have a sister and four other brothers. And then, um, uh, adoptive wise, I have, uh, a brother or uh, three brothers and one sister. Wow. So, so that's, uh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good balance on both sides of the equation. So, all right. Yeah. So how was, uh, growing up in Illinois? Crappy. Okay. <laughs> Muddy. No, I'm just okay. Kidding. Um, I mean, Illinois, I mean, it's, it's Illinois, right? Nobody right. likes Illinois. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, yeah. But as a, for me, um, you know, my parent. You know, they picked me up in this. Uh, uh, I remember the color like it, like yesterday. They picked me up in this uh, kind of murky green F one fifty pickup truck. All right, and it's just this kind of this whole image and picture of them taking me from the city and into this into the country. Um, and you know, growing up, you know, we lived in a very a uh, very tight neighborhood, um, but it was country. You know, we had corn, mm-hmm. and and the house that I grew up in was uh, uh, was part of an old farmhouse that was uh, adjacent, right behind the house that I grew up in. Um, and I mean, it was that became my normal. Okay, you sure. know, I mean, yeah. at five years old, I had been through so much trauma mm-hmm. that uh, that I really I didn't really have that much recollection of. Kind of the stuff that happened before. I uh-huh. had I had a little figments and stuff, or um, um, in in bits and pieces, um, but but growing up in the country became my new normal. Sure, small town, um, you know, uh, breakfast joint uh, a couple miles down the street, um, you know, six foot tall corn, uh, soybeans, lawnmowers. Uh, <laughs> you know, we. I mean, it was you know that was that became my that became my normal, uh-huh. and I didn't. I I I, I loved that. I cherish that. I own that. Um, not saying the city was bad by any means, mm-hmm. but um, 
I really thank my my family for for choosing me um, out of that situation, um, showing me a different perspective, guiding me, uh, raising me, taking care of me. Uh, you know, when you're raised country, there's certain things that you that yeah that you'll never. There's certain things about being raised country mm-hmm. that being raised in the city you'll never you'll never understand. So and vice versa. Yeah, right? absolutely. So um, I, I I hold that to heart. Yeah. Okay, and that's uh, so I didn't know that about you <laughs> that you're raised country, as you say. Yep. yep. So that kind of uh, makes me understand a little bit more about uh, your persona now. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on in the episode. So, I devoured those pork chops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So um, you decide you you get this social worker, caseworker, whatever reaches out to you, and mm-hmm. you know you get this opportunity to come up to St. Cloud. That's right. Um, to maybe reconnect with your birth mother. Yeah. So, um, tell you a little bit about that, huh? Yeah let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um. It was a whirlwind, uh, Eric. It was, uh, there's a deep underlying root as to what drove all of this. Um, and really the, the concrete, you know, moving force was the fact that now that I know that I have this opportunity to, to try to establish something with her, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to leave this earth not giving her a shot, not giving her a chance. Sure. Despite in every, despite what all that, all that happened, Mm -hmm. you know, I just couldn't, you know, I just didn't want to live with that. Um, and so, I mean, some people call me crazy, you know, Uh meeting, meeting, you know, someone that's done, you know, or made some, you know, terrible mistakes in their past and, and whatever. And why would I ever, want to establish a relationship with mm-hmm. them. Uh, but you got to understand, this is my mother. Yeah. You know, this is the woman that chose life, mm-hmm. you know, and out of the crazy chaos of the world we live in, you know, regardless of the mistakes she made, I'm an adult now. Yeah. You know, and I can choose to um, be, have a relationship with her or not. And I chose that. And my life has changed. Ever, my, life, my life has been different ever since um, to forgive her. Uh, for things unknown, for things known, yeah. Um, to just let her know that you know she does matter, and mm-hmm. that she's not, uh, and that in my heart she has a, she has a place, you know. So, um, that was the whole you know the driving force of forgiveness to just reach out, you know, try to get to know my mom and my adoptive parents were extremely supportive. Well, that's good. Um, they were not. Um, uh, they did not manipulate me in any sense of, you know, this is a bad choice. You know, my mom gave me her blessing. My dad gave me his blessing. Um, you know, they, they said the world's, it's, it's a big world out there, but we support you in, in, in this adventure, in this ende- endeavor. And, um, you know, so having that was huge. Yeah. I mean, that had to be a great um, thing that you had the support to say, yeah, go out and, right. you know, yeah. talk to her or meet up with her, establish that mm-hmm. connection. Cause I'm sure it was important for you. Um, and not to put words in your mouth or anything, but I mean, to kind of know more of where you came from and absolutely who you are, yeah. you know, defined it's, as a person. It's a deep void, Eric, you know, um, in a, in, and there's millions of kids that are in the same boat, yeah. uh, millions of adults that are in the same boat. 
um, when you don't when you don't have a tie into your biology, mm-hmm. you, there, you you will always feel something. Sure, and you will always try to fill that void with something. Yeah, uh, some of us. You know, depending on our upbringing and our circle of influence, you know, that could be negative things, that could mm-hmm. be positive things. Um, but, you know, um, that, that, that void, mm-hmm. you know, I'm actually writing a book called Nine and a Half Hours. It's, it's the, that, that's the, how long the train ride was from Union Station, Chicago to St. Cloud, Minnesota. Okay. Um, but that void was always something I felt like, yeah. where, where do I come from? Yeah. Cause again, again, remember at five years old, I had, I felt like my life started at five. Sure. When I was adopted. Yeah. Um, you know, all my memory, everything really, and I don't know if kids mem- remember, you know, maybe things that happen when they're three, four. I think, I think they do, mm-hmm. um, v- vaguely or, 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 you know, within their parameters. Um, but, you know, um, I had no recollection of anything before. Um, and I just had that itching desire all the time of, you know, where, where do I actually come from? Yeah. You know, uh, who am I? You know, um, my, my dad always would joke that, you know, him and I always have the same, you know, him and I have the same nose and Christmas cards, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, but, but I love that though, you know, um, and just, uh, just having that pull, um, you know, I see it as, you know, God really working something out within me and, you know, catapulting me into this journey. Uh, to Minnesota to meet meet my real mother. So so you make this decision, mm-hmm. and this caseworker helped you uh, establish connection, mm-hmm. however that is. Now you hop on the train in Illinois, yeah, and you take that ride up to St. Cloud. Now set that up for us. Set that up for me and the listeners. Like you get to the Amtrak station in yeah. St. Cloud, you step off, and then. What you, happens next? Yeah, what happens next? Well, I'll tell you what happened next. I was I was I was nervous on that train. Um can't tell can't really tell the conductor to come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or stop the train. Yeah. Um I remember the price of the ticket. I had I think about 100 bucks in my account. Um and uh the train ticket was $97 and 3 cents. Mm-hmm. I been and, and so you know, you you can do the math, right? Yeah. So everything I had at that point um, was just banking on that this was gonna this was gonna work out. Sure. Um. So I'm on this train and I'm thinking, okay, what does she look like? I hope she doesn't. You know, I'm thinking weird thoughts. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, she maybe she looks like an alien or something. Like, you know, <laughs> like that. I have no idea. It's just yeah. you know, the trying to pass. Yeah. The mind's going crazy the trying to pass mysterious. past yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. Um. Get to the train station in St. Cloud about three thirty in the morning, um, and she's she's standing right there. She's got her she's got a taxi, her taxi driver, um, <laughs> and you know I load my bags up into the back. Um, you know we go back to her apartment, and so you're meeting her for the first time at three thirty in the morning. This is the first time you've ever set eyes on her. This is the first. Yeah. Well, I had there were there were. Like one or two supervised visits. Okay. Growing up, but I don't. You know, they were, they were 
they were really non-existent visits. I mean, they, you know, I don't really, I don't really remember them. Yeah. Um, they were, I don't know, probably an hour or so each. Um, so this to me was the first time consciously, yeah. you know, that I'm actually going to see my mother in front of me. We're going to spend, you know, time together and try to get to know one another, uh, and so forth. So yeah, yeah, this was that, this was that moment. So how was it when you stepped off the train and you saw her there? What was going through your mind? You know, I can't honestly describe the feeling. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it was a very overwhelming sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was exciting. It was, it was excitement. It was fear. It was uncertainty. It was, it was a lot. Um, and, and it was, it was peaceful too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the midst of all this chaos and uncertainty and unknown, I had, I had peace in this decision. Um, and it's crazy. Met her at three thirty in the morning and then we went back to the, you know, we went back to her apartment. She got me settled in and I had really, at that point, I had really never had like African American soul food, mm-hmm. you know? So at 345 or 350 or whatever, sure. I'm chowing down on some of the, you know, the greens and, mm-hmm. you know, she got the, she got, she got a plate of the soul food and I'm past, I'm past the heck out, you know, about four o'clock, you yeah. know, um, you know, cause good eating like that. I don't know what the heck she put in the turkey, but man, it was, <laughs> it was pretty good. All right. All right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, it was a crazy sensation, Eric. It it was uh it was riveting. It was um you know, I knew that I knew that there was so much more you know, involved in this mm-hmm. that that light ahead. So So you you pass out as you speak because of the food and all that and then <laughs> the next yeah. day like what was it like? Yeah, walk us through that uh that reconnection or establishing a connection, really. It wasn't reconnecting. Well, very quickly, um uh, things kind of, things started going south and I'll, I'll dive, I'll, I mean, this happened extremely quick. Um, uh, not so much pertaining to my mother, but, um, someone that she was with at the time. Okay. Um, he was one of my brother's, um, dad, mm-hmm. uh, and that brother, uh, got passed away, got hit by a truck at a, at a young, or, um, um, at a young age, um, and he, she was with him and, you know, she's showing me the ropes of St. Cloud, right? She's shown me the transportation system and just, you know, college and different opportunities yep. and, 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 you know, things that I can do. Um, and within a matter of about a week and a half or so, everything just, you know, one incident just completely derailed everything. Um, you know, he came home drunk, uh, one night had some, you know, had some issues, uh, mentally, um, and, um, and, you know, pinned me against the wall and, um, you know, just, you know, threatened my life. Okay. Um, you know, actually he, um, you know, this is extremely vulnerable, but, you know, he, he, uh, took a clothing iron and hit me in the head with it. Um, you know, and at that point, everything just, everything was like white snow for the Mm -hmm. last, 
you know, like this is a great establishing relationship with my real mother and boom, back into trauma. Yeah. You know, um, so it's just this, it's just, it was just kind of this whirlwind. And then, um, thank God for police officers. Um, because yes, there were a few nights that, uh, I mean, this is the middle of January, Mm -hmm. you know, I couldn't stay there at that point. My mother couldn't stay there. You know, um, I'm standing out in the freezing cold. I really don't have that much with me. Yeah. Uh, police officer comes by, um, puts me in a hotel for a couple, for a couple nights. Okay. Um, and I still have his card to this day. Um, and, uh, do you recall his name off the top of your head? Eric. Eric what? Um, I can't remember. I have his card. Um, but was he an African American fellow? He was not. No. No. Okay. He wasn't. Um, but, um, I told him what happened and he said, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, you know, I'll put you in, in a motel for a couple of nights until mm-hmm. you can get on your feet or whatever. Um, and I just, it was just like a, like a sent angel, you know? Sure. Um, so all this is going on, you know, um, back into, back into this traumatic, you know, uh, you know, feeling terrible, like, you know, people were right. I shouldn't have never done this, blah, blah, blah. But I, I stuck with it. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you call, why didn't you call back home and tell them what happened? You know, and I say, you got to understand, you know, I had made a very concrete decision. Um, and I was extremely embarrassed. You know, mm-hmm. I had just gotten their blessing, my parents' blessing to do this. Yeah. I get whacked in the head by some nut job. You know, I don't want to turn around and pick up the phone and say, hey, mom and dad, this didn't work out. Yeah. I was embarrassed, you know, so I let it ride out and I knew I would be okay. Um, stayed in the shelters. Once I got back on my feet, then I kind of told them the story so, several months later. So now let's kind of back up a little bit. Sure. Now you get put up in a hotel. Yeah. Now did your mother go with you or did she stay with this fellow? Uh, she went to, um, I think a transitional home for, for a bit. Okay. Yep. So he went to a transitional home. He actually had some outstanding things with the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he went back to where he, you know, needed to go back to. Um, and, you know, several months later, my my mother was doing well. She had, you know, gotten another place and okay. kind of back on her feet or whatever. Um, so that was that kind of old. I mean, everyone just vanished from the apartment. I mean, it was, no one could stay there because of his behavior, yeah. his behavior, his, yeah. you know, and, you know, and my, in the in what happened to me and, you know, my, you know, the, the situation with my, my, my mother and her instability, you know, she had, mm-hmm. she did have some instability as well. So, okay. um, so then did you part ways with her then, or do you still have contact with her or? No, I, I still maintain contact. Okay. Um, our relationship and I, and I'm very clear about this. It'll, it'll probably never be what, what, what we want it to be. Okay. It just, you know, um, but it's enough. It's enough now for her and for me to know that, you know, we're only a phone call away. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's, that's just all people need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we probably won't be playing shoots and ladders anytime soon. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if there was anything that my mother needed, regardless of her state of mind, regardless of what she's done, the mistakes that she's made, 
um, I'd be there for her. Okay. Um, so, and I, and I, and I own that. I sure. own that decision. Um, so, uh, we, we tried to, you know, just formulate somewhat of a relationship. Um, but, uh, it, it's difficult when there's, when there's some instability there mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to do that. So I just, I accept her for where she's at. And the other side of this is, you know, even though this was great for me and I was excited about all this, I was interrupting her life. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I was completely just dropping a bomb on her life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so you, you know, I look at it from that perspective too. I mean, this was, you know, yes, I want answers, but you know, she's an adult, I'm an adult, you know, sometimes you just got to meet somewhere in the middle and yeah. make it work. Yep. I you know. You. So, so you talk that you started saying in shelters and, uh, on the streets. Right. Yeah. So kind of talk us through that. About staying on the street. Uh, yeah. You know, I never thought that that would be one of my predicaments. Mm-hmm. I never was in that. You know, I was always, you know, well, well taken care, cared of, um, growing up. Um, you know, sleeping on a street is, is, is not fun. Um, it's cold, you know, it's, you have, you know, you're, you're always in a, in a very, you know, you're always in a vulnerable state. Um, you know, I got my ribs kicked in. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a cold experience, but I tell you what, people that survive that they develop a kind of grit Mm -hmm. that is just unbreakable. Yeah. People that go through it and people that have gone through that circumstance and are, are survivors of that, you know, um, you know, they just develop, I mean, you'll see that pattern with, you know, if you, if you're, if you know anyone that's ever been in that predicament, you know, you'll, you'll see that trend is that they have, they have a grit about them that, because that's, that's one of the hardest, that's the hardest place to sleep on is the floor. Yeah. You know, let alone the street, you know, outside. Again, this is the middle of winter. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a big, I didn't really have a big fluffy coat or, or a jacket or anything. And it was only for a few days, but still, um, it was, it was a very cold, cold few days. That was my introduction to Minnesota winter. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's definitely not something that you, you want know? to introduce a whole lot of people to is, no. you know, come here in the winter and then, oh, by the way, you're going to be sleeping on the streets. Right. I had my guitar. I had a very, I had very few things with me. I had a blue suitcase, um, full of some clothing items. Mm-hmm. And then I had my guitar with me and, and, uh, in a cowboy hat. Okay. And I made, I somehow made it work to stay warm with the clothing that I had and until I, you know, started the, the shelter process. So that, when you say guitar and cowboy hat, that's going back to being raised country, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how, all right, so let's back up just a little bit because you said you had your guitar with. Now, at what age did you start playing guitar? I believe the correct age would be 
seventh seventh grade. So in seventh grade, I was ten, no eleven. Yeah, because eighth grade I would have just been turning thirteen, or four. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. I was ten or eleven. <laughs> All, yeah, right. I, I don't All know, right. All right. Yeah. Seventh grade was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you pick up. You pick up guitar. Mm-hmm. And you just, I mean, what was it that drove you to guitar? Well, you no, know, you know, well, I actually want to back up a little bit. All um, right. All right. I Let's was, do it. I was, I actually was very good at the trombone. I was uh, in, I was in an orchestra at a very young age. I was, I was, you know, I had recognition in the community for, for playing the trombone. Okay. That was my first instrument was playing trombone. All right. And then I played tuba and, you know, other brass. Um, but my heart wasn't in the trombone. I just, you know, I really didn't, you know, I was extremely good at it, but I just heart wasn't there for yeah. it. Um, and then I started writing songs. Um, and then I realized, well, this sucks. You know, I can't sing any of these songs <laughs> and play the trombone at the same time. Sure, so, yeah. Uh, my dad was like, well, let me, let's, let me get you a guitar. And, um, I just fell in love with it. Just, I started playing and it just made sense to me. Okay. Um, I remember, you know, our garage, we had a whole bunch of stuff in the garage and there was this old, old guitar that was way in the back, um, that I, I used to, you know, in the summertime when I had nothing to do, I just, you know, it had like three strings on it. (laughs) I just fiddle diddle around Uh on it and I just. I loved the I loved the feeling of holding the guitar and 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 playing it and uh, you know um, that Christmas uh, um, after seventh grade um, you know got my first guitar my dad got my dad got one and we were going to learn together but mm-hmm. things kind of um, at that time things kind of ran away with him for work so I ended up teaching myself okay you know um, first song I ever learned on the guitar. Fully was "Dust in the Wind" by Kansas City. It was so, a finger finger picking song. Yeah. How did you How did you learn that? Well, I, I YouTube was out at the time, so um, yeah, I forget that you're way younger than I am. So there's already YouTube there. <laughs> yeah, YouTube yeah. <laughs> YouTube was out, so I okay. learned I learned a little bit on YouTube. But really, I could listen to songs mm-hmm. or even songs on the radio and pitch it or or pitch match it with you know, pressing down on the strings. Okay. And that's how I learned a lot of, um, uh, that's how I learned a lot of the guitar was just by pitch matching, um, from songs that I heard on the, on the radio. Um, you know, heck, I even remember doing that with sounds coming from the microwave, you okay. know, just stupid stuff. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of my learning came from hearing and just, matching pitches and, 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 you know, figuring out what works and stuff like gotcha. that. So, um, yeah. All right. So let's fast forward again. We've established that started guitar relatively young yep. and, uh, just continued to obviously continuously get better and better and better. And then one of the things that, uh, I read in your bio that, uh, was that you would play music at these shelters that you would stay at. That's right. So, um, did you have like an audience in this shelter? Did people like gather around and stuff like that? I saw it as, yeah, gather around. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm actually, uh, hoping to start a, 
a writing um a writing label called Gather Round. Uh, Gather Round. Well, writings. I'm going to trademark that now, so now you're going to have to pay me royalties. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, when I was in the shelter, um, yeah, I that's what kept me going. Um, sure, was providing music. I mean, you got to you got to really try to paint you a picture. So we're all we're all in this cafeteria, and people are you know you got. People that smell weird and, and mm-hmm. you got, um, you know, kids and moms and, you know, and older folk and younger folk and, um, you know, there's, there's really no music, you know, everyone's just kind of existing. And, yeah. um, so here I am with this guitar and I know how to play it. And, you know, so at night curfew or whatever, I'd play it and people would wake up the next day and come over to me and say, Man, I I got some of the best sleep I ever had when when you played that guitar. Mm-hmm. Um so I just kept doing it and I just kept playing and playing um while I was there. So and it just became a it just became a normal thing. Okay. You know. So talk to me about um getting back on your feet and how long did you stay in the shelter and what was the catalyst to that got you out of the shelter and back on your feet? Well, I would say, truthfully, it was, number one, the honest truth of accepting that, you know, accepting the situation, um, but not allowing it to overcome um, my entire way of life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. the sad reality is there's a few people that I know that were in the shelter with me nine years ago that are still there. Okay. That had the same opportunity as I did to get on their feet. Um, I just asked questions. I found resources and, you know, I, I didn't want this to be my normal. Yeah. Um, I knew it wouldn't be. I was smart, intelligent. Mm-hmm. If, if that situation became my normal it was because i wanted it to sure wanted it to be um and so that was the catalyst was i think my frame of mind um you know just asking questions and just okay following you know the direction of the resources um and that homeless stint was was about nine months okay um i mean it took a while i mean application for a place, you know, trying to find work and, and, and look presentable and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, I mean, it, it, it takes some time, you know. Um, no, I have a question yeah. that just popped into my mind that whole, the whole time that you're in St. Cloud and you're in the shelters yep. and you're applying, you're doing all this stuff. Did at any point, did you call back to Illinois and say, you know, this is not, this is not the situation I wanted to be in. You know, can I come back home or, or was that not a possibility or? Yeah, I did. Um, I never asked, I did tell them, um, but I never asked to come back home Mm -hmm. and it was kind of this subtle, you know, um, this subtle ego. Okay. Like I just, you know, my dad made it pretty clear after I graduated high school. He said, "Hey, either you got to work or you 
you just can't. We got we're taking care of other kids. We just don't have the room for you to do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> so that kept playing in my head. Okay, gotcha. You know, and it's it was this ego of I. So I never asked, could I come back home? Because you know, but that made me that made me strong. Yeah, that made me. Um, that proved I proved something within myself. You know that I got back up on my own feet. Yeah. Um, of course, if I would have asked, hey, you know what? I just I really need to come back home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they would have you know locked the doors on right, me or sure. whatever. Um, but I just never. I just wanted to prove something to myself. Okay. You know, I wanted to prove that I could. That you know, I'm here. I need to accept this. I'll get out of it. And I did. So that that self pride of like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and this gonna it's this. gonna be me. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm here. It sucks. You know, it's not perfect. I still got a whole lot of life to live. I'm smart, intelligent. I'll be okay. You know, took some blows during the process, but you know, that's life. Yeah. You know, and resilience. I, yeah. Perseverance. Yeah. Yep. So you get back on your feet. What? So you get out of the shelter, and what did you start doing? Well, um, when I got out of the shelter, um, I mean, I had a little small little studio place. And then I was like on cloud nine with with kind of just life, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, the sound of your own keys. Everyone knows what that feels like. Yeah. Um, You know, um, then I got wrapped up in a girl, man. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, and uh, yeah, that was that was a that was that was just crazy to say the least. Um, you know, uh, you know, as a first girlfriend, you know, uh, you know, everyone has them first heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that was literally. You know, I got on my feet, got out of the shelters, got my own place, got a job, got a girlfriend, and then got my heart broken. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. (laughs) Well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So with that, um, so you worked different jobs, and this is all in the St. Cloud area? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I, you know, kind of just to get things moving, you know, I was doing different temp temp stuff, um, but then I came across... Uh, uh, a woman, um, and uh, by the name of Jennifer, and um, she she gave me a shot at kind of more of a retail type of position. Okay. Um, and I was very honest with her about my predicament. Um, and she just she gave me a shot, you know, and and um, I I got into retail working at Buckle. All right. At the mall. Um, in St. Cloud and she's still, she, I think she part owns it now and, and runs it. Um, you still have contact with her? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, she's, she's an incredible lady. Um, you know, huge part of my life, um, at that time. Um, so she's going to, you're going to tell her to listen to this, right? Cause I I'm going to tell her. You just gave her a shout out. I so. did give her, I did give her a shout out. Yeah, so hi Jennifer. Thanks for, uh, helping Quentin down. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, Gosh, and I remember, um, I remember her just being so graceful, mm-hmm. you know, just being that image of, of grace, 
uh, second chance, you know, um, and, uh, she came into my life and she was that person, you know, um, I didn't know one, I didn't know anything about folding jeans and, uh-huh. you know, it's a, it was a fast, it was a fast paced, you know, type of environment, but she gave me a shot. She gave me a chance. Um, and I'll never forget that. That's great. And I took that and I just, you know, kind of stayed in retail and, um, you know, customer service type mm-hmm. stuff and. Um, you know, and then I, then I had a running with Sprint and, and worked for Sprint for a little bit and, you know, just kept building, you know, figuring out what I was good at, you mm-hmm. know, and I was good with people. I like, um, I like being around people. All right. So. But you continued playing music. I continued playing music. And continued writing songs. I continued writing songs. Yep. Um, all different kinds from gospel to, um, to, you know, Christian to, to just all different kinds you know, all different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciated all different kinds of music. Um, and, um, yeah, I just kept, kept writing and singing. So you, you said, you know, gospel Christian and stuff like that. What, who were some of your influences as far as the type of music that you wanted to play and that you, you know, your songwriting style or what you write about? Do you have any people or any, like, what was your influence? Well, my dad and I were always told to be quiet in the van because we were singing too loud to Toby <laughs> Keith and okay. you know, other artists and stuff like that. Um, my uh, my inspiration for music uh, lies within two different um, categories of, of um, genre, one being R&B, one being uh, country. Mm-hmm. Um, I say Garth Brooks um, for country, and there was a guy that I really, really enjoyed listening to as a kid. See, my mom was R&B. Okay. My dad was a Montana boy, you know, listened to Toby Keith, Big and Rich, Diamond Reel, you know, all those guys. My mom loved R&B. She liked country, too. Um, and, but she really, she really thought R&B was cool. So I grew up listening to both, um, you know, but Ruben Stuttered, um, was an R&B singer and man, I just, I remember getting a CD, uh, from my mom, mm-hmm. um, you listen to, you know, a CD of Ruben Stuttered and I just, I just loved that guy. You know, so he just was, a he's gr- a bigger dude, right? He was is, he, he's a bigger yeah. dude. Yeah. So was he yeah. like on, was he on one of the reality yeah, I think like, ba- I, back in the day he was. Like yeah. you say his name and it just, it kind of lit a bulb, but I just don't remember like if it was on like the uh, oh, man, America's cold. Got Talent or, or, you know, something along those lines, the, the singing it was on stuff. Ameri- I think it was on American Idol. There we go. American Idol. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that was his yep. claim to fame. Yeah. Yep. And man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. So. Yeah. I mean, he just. He was cold with it. He was he was smooth, and I just he just that was just one of my idols growing up was Ruben Stuttered, um, and Garth Brooks. Not because he's you know Garth Brooks, but <laughs> I really I really enjoyed Garth Brooks's uh, delivery, mm-hmm. his sincerity. Um, you know, I really. Uh, I really enjoyed just his um, ability to deliver a song, you know, um, and I wanted to be like him. I okay. think every artist 
you know, we aspire to be like someone else. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, you know, honestly, I don't think Garth Brooks, in my opinion, is the best singer. You know, I think there's better singers than Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he is the best performer. Okay. And one of the best artists to deliver a song. Gotcha. And just the way he does it, you know, is something that I wanted to model. Okay. And I try to, you know, I try to live up to that in, in my songs, in my, you know, um, uh, in my songwriting journey. So. Gotcha. So let's, uh, let's talk about when you got into the songwriting, the performing a little bit deeper, uh, when, and when I say deeper, like I don't, so you and I have known each other for maybe three years at the most. Yeah. Like 2018. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the only reason that your rear is in the seat right now is because I answered a Facebook ad and I bought an Explorer <laughs> from you. Yeah, that's about right. And pretty much just thought that was going to be the only transaction. And I don't remember even how we continued to maintain you know, contact because, like, you know, people sell stuff on Marketplace all the time. Right. But then, you know, I buy this Explorer from you and then... It's a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know, like, how we maintained, uh, like, I don't even know how I, you know, realized that you were country singer and stuff like that. But then we just kind of connected and we kept that connection. And I've been to, you know... Uh, one of your performances out in Delano. But so the thing that I'm really interested in is like, were you performing a lot prior to that? Because I remember when we first became Facebook friends, like, hey, come out to St. Cloud Mall. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there. Had you been doing that for a while? Uh, You know, honestly, 2018 was when I really started to, you know, um, put myself out there as far as gigs and shows and stuff like that. Um, so I can say when you make it big and you're walking that red carpet a few years down the road, I'd be like, I knew that dude when he was just breaking into the industry. That's right. (laughs) That's right. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, yeah, 2018 was that time where I just said, okay, you know what, let me, let me get out there so I can get familiar with the, you know, community, um, you know, establish some relationships, play, um, yeah. And I had, I had, I had a stint at the St. Cloud Mall. I, um, the manager of Boot Barn, um, she, uh, she asked me to do a show there. Mm-hmm. That was 2019. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, that show led to some, um, uh, future connections and, um, everything just kind of started to unravel. At, yeah. at that point. Um, and so, um, but that show was before, that was before we did our project. Um, that was a summer, that was the summer of 2019. We did our project in November of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 2018, I was just, I was a baby just getting out there, getting new to, you know, one of the, I wanted to even, I wanted to see if people were even going to respond, sure. you know, to, you know, because you sound good in your you you sound good in your 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 apartment, yeah. you know. Well, I sound good in my shower, man. That's, that's <laughs> right. You know, we sound we sound great. Yeah. You know, we're 
you know, dreaming of getting out of limos and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And, um, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta see if the people will respond. Yeah. And that's, that's a process that I think every artist, um, has to go through to kind of figure out where they, you know, not, not, I wouldn't say where they fit in, but you know, what, 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 what their journey may look like. Right. You know, down the road. And obviously so. people responded positively. They did. Cause um, you're still doing, you're still doing these things. And, you know, I see you keep upping your, uh, your intensity level and you're from, you know, St. Cloud boot barn to where you're at today. And we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I mean, that's yeah. just been what, four years, Yeah, three and a half years. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I really want to dive into that. Um, you know, just for the other artists out there. Um, I mean, when, when I first were, you know, was putting myself out there, I wanted to be everything, mm-hmm. you know, I think every artist does, you know, we want to be the star, you know, on, on center stage, Yeah, you know, um, but, uh, there were some things that I had to accept, um, in order to have some of the success that I've had today, uh, specifically with, with my writing. Yeah. Um, there were some things and some, some truths that I had to come to terms with. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I never did, I, I would still be kind of spinning my wheels. Sure. So gotcha. to speak. Yeah. So we're talking 2019, you do the, uh, the boot barn and, yeah, um, and then right after that, I auditioned for the voice and landed a blind audition there. Yeah. So what does that mean when you land a blind audition? So blind audition is where you audition in front of the judges. They're okay. facing away. Um, there's three auditions um, before a blind. Um, this was just a crazy experience. So it was in Chicago. I go to Chicago. Um, you know, there's hundreds, probably hundreds of thousands of people auditioning. Um, the producer of the actual show, Michelle McNulty, um, she sees me sitting, you know, sitting in the bleachers and, you know, I got a little sticker on, got a cowboy hat on or whatever. <laughs> you know, she's walking around um, and she eyeballs me and I'm like, oh, geez, no, I don't, I don't want to be pulled out. I just want to, you know, stay where I'm at. And she eyeballs me and I eyeball her and she walks over and she says, you know, she asked me to get up and, you know, she says, what's your name? And I said, Quentin David, where you're from, where, where you're from, you know, and t- I said, uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. And, um, uh, she says, well, uh, why don't you go ahead and sing for us? Just, just like that. Um, and this isn't even the actual audition. So this is like, so you're like amongst other people that are, yeah, this is, I'm in line to audition. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, there's bleachers, right? So we're all sitting in these rows in this huge auditorium. Um, you know, but she's got a microphone and you know, it's booming. Um, she says, well, why don't you go ahead and sing for us? So I bust out Thunder Rolls, mm-hmm. and she gives me what they call an automatic callback. Okay. Uh, meaning that I don't actually have to go through the regular audition process. Um, I just can, you know, kind of skip the line. So and, it's like Willy Wonka's golden that ticket. Was, that was my audition right there. Okay. Yeah, she said, automatic callback. Everyone went nuts. It was crazy. Girls coming up to me and, you know, you know, guys and just... It was it was this crazy experience. I thought I felt like I was Elvis there for a second. You know? <laughs> okay, just, um, yeah. just out in cloud nine, um, and then audition again. You know that went well. 
auditioned another time. Now this, now the third audition is in front of some um, TV people. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to make sure you look good for television. Okay. You know, stuff like that. Um, made it to the blind audition, um, and that's actually in L.A. Um, and there's some things behind the scenes that I can't specifically yeah, discuss. Of sure. Uh, but uh, but it was it was pretty cool um, to get that far. I mean, you gotta you gotta think all these people that are you know you know there's millions of people that are auditioning just for a shot. Yeah. You know, um, to be on TV or whatever their goal is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for me, I just wanted the exposure. Honestly, I really could care less about winning. Mm-hmm. I wanted the exposure because. You know, when you look at the people that have established careers from shows like this, um, it's a lot of it is because of the exposure that they got. Sure. Um, so I just wanted a piece of that. And I did get it. You know, I got it in that moment when I got an automatic callback. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never heard people go nuts or crazy in that moment. I mean, they were all excited for me. That's awesome. And I just never, they don't know me. They don't. They weren't there to see Quentin David in concert. Yeah, yeah. You know, they weren't there to hear me perform, but they heard 60 seconds of Thunder Rolls and everyone went nuts, you know, and it was just one of the craziest moments of my life. That's awesome. Um, so that was shortly after uh, the show at the at the St. Cloud Mall. So 2019 was kind of the, was kind of, I was kind of busting, you know, the mm-hmm. horse was picking up speed okay good so yeah. so now those subsequent auditions you know other than you know when she comes up to you and says play for us now do you do a different song every time or do you do the same song or how does that yeah work? so the first tip if i were to actually audition you know because i got the automatic call back um you sing whatever song you prepared okay the second audition you sing you have three songs prepared um the third audition you have to sing three songs acapella um and then with an instrument, you know, instrument or backtrack, mm-hmm. um, and then just you have to have an additional song ready because gotcha. they want to see, you know, what you look like when you're singing different, you know, ranges and just it's all TV, it's all it's all production. So they want to they want to make sure that you are a good fit for TV. Yeah, because you can have a great voice. There's a lot of people with great voices, but don't look very good on TV. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. You know, so um, yeah, they make you go through that process. Yeah. Okay. So after that, which was undoubtedly a great experience for you. Right. So that had to be even a bigger motivator for you to continue on this this path, this journey. Yes. Um I knew something was working. Because if it if it wasn't, crowd would you know, all these strangers wouldn't ever have responded in yeah, that way. Absolutely. Um, you know, everyone's excited. You know, I, I think everybody you know, um, it, it's a unique experience, and I say this to everyone, even if, you know, just go and just experience just experience it. Mm-hmm. Connect with people. Um, you know, there's a lot of awesome people out there. For know? sure. Um, even if you don't make it on a show, even if you don't make it, you know, if you got a couple days of vacation or spare time and there's a slot that opens up for an audition, go. You know, go and... Um, Give it a shot. So, yeah. That's uh, words of encouragement right there. It's definitely not going to be me because I have zero musical talent. So that's uh, definitely not American gonna... Idol. <laughs> or America's Got Talent. Yeah, I'm no. Sure, I'm sure Stewie or whatever, you know, he'll find something to like about yeah, you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. So, 
All right. So 2019. And now we talked just a little bit briefly before uh, we started recording. So um, I'm going to ask you at this point now, um, being, you know, predominantly country, I think would be your your main genre, isn't it? Yep. So as an African-American man, has there been more barriers, do you think, um, to busting into the country scene? Because, I mean, when you look at it, there's not a lot of African-American men or women There is a lot of country. Here's my answer. Um, my answer is, in lieu of being African-American and being in country music, um, my answer is no. Okay. And the reason why my answer is no is because I know that everything that is meant for me is in direct correlation to my work ethic. Gotcha. It has zero to do with my skin color. Okay. If I don't make it to the next round, it has nothing to do with the color of my skin. There's something that I'm not doing that qualifies me to get to the next round. Gotcha. And that's just my belief on it. Uh Uh-huh. I don't go to shows and expect that I'm going to be booed off stage because I'm an African-American country singer. I, In a marketing sense, in an adver- advertisement sense, I can use it to my advantage because I am African-American. Mm-hmm. That's just business, mm-hmm. right? If, you, if 95% of people are this and 5% of people aren't and they, you know... That's where marketing and packaging and advertisement comes in. But when it comes to success, success is 110% directly correlated to your work ethic. Gotcha. Every every kind of success that I've had, whether it's shows or venues or songwriting opportunities, has nothing to do with the color of my skin. It has everything to do with the fact that I put myself out there, Mm -hmm. that I took the necessary steps to um, create that opportunity. Um, And I think that that's a mentality that, um, you know, I think you have to possess if you want to be successful in general, not just because not not just for, you know, African-Americans, but for all people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it has nothing to do with. You know, for me, it has nothing to do with the color of my skin. I mean, I can, you know, if I don't get a job, you know, I don't, I don't go into an interview saying, well, I might not get this job because of the color of my skin. Yeah. I say, you know, every other reason but that, Mm -hmm. because I just, I just won't, I just won't develop that mentality and use that as a, as an excuse. Because that's just a recipe for, for a pity party. Gotcha. You know, um, and that's that's just me. Yeah. So, if I didn't, if 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 I send if I send a hundred emails out to venues, and I get all no's, it's it, it's it has nothing to do with the color of my skin. You know, it's because maybe I didn't present maybe I didn't present myself correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I don't have enough material. Uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe, maybe there's something about my voice. I mean, you look at Thomas Edison, right? And I know this is a textbook example, but, you know, it took him a thousand, you know, he created, you know, he 
he made how many light bulbs? <laughs> you know, and and then he finally made that one that was right. Yeah. But that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, um I've written lots of songs. I've made lots of calls. I've sent lots of emails. I've gotten I can probably count on you know, both hands. I that's how many yeses I've got. You know, um I've I've gotten tons of no's. Mm-hmm. Tons of no's. And none of them had to do with because of the color of my skin. So when people ask me, well, you're you know, there's a saying people say, you know, you're swimming with the sharks. Well, you know, I'm doing okay. Yeah. You know, you're still here. You know, I'm taking on the sharks or whatever you think that they, they are. Right. You know, um you know, um and again, that's just, you know, I think that goes back to being raised raised country. Yeah. Um, just the confidence, the sincerity that my mother and father instilled in me, you know, my dad, and my mother, they both came together. They always told me to never use my skin color as a, as an excuse, you know, this life is, you know, the choice to take responsibility for your choices. Your success is completely up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Yes. I'm aware of issues yeah. as we all are. Sure. Yes. I'm aware of, you know. The past, the present, the future. But at some point, if I want to be successful, that can't be the answer. That that can't be the the reason to why I don't be to that can't be the reason as to why I'm I I, I never become successful. It just can't. Well, I can tell you, know? you you will. Well, you are successful. Not will, but I mean, you are successful, and you're going to continue on that path. Um. So let's let's move beyond the 2019 and um you're still writing songs did a couple of videos and um you sent me that song today I won't say anything about it because well you put it on Facebook <laughs> so yeah I, I mean, just I, dropped I, I sent it to you and then I said it yeah we could be a music video on yeah, that yeah. yeah so I listened to it yeah <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything about yeah. the title or anything along those lines because I I don't know what you think you're at. it was great yeah. you know and I like everything that you country R and B I mean you you send you sent me tons of stuff yeah. and I listened to it all here and there. yeah and I I enjoy it all and. um so yeah, I'm excited for the future, and uh, so let's let's uh, talk about um, a little bit in the uh, you know the intro where it says you've got a couple of people uh, coaching you mm-hmm. through this journey. So how did you how did you land or how did you come about with these individuals? Um, uh, so I'll tell you the stories behind behind some of them. I think um, I unfortunately I, I won't I won't name drop um, just. Cause that's, you know, you know, that's, that's what they, they've asked. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's like Walmart doesn't tell Target who they work with, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, it's, uh, I think at some point you, number one, it's your frame of mind, right? So you have to believe, um, you have to believe a certain way to create a certain reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to believe that I needed a team. I needed a team of people. I got out of the mind track that I was going to do all this by myself. Sure. 
Um, and quite frankly, a lot of artists want to do the, you know, the whole independent movement and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Have at it, do everything yourself. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. But I knew that at some point I wanted to learn and I wanted to have a team. I developed that mindset going into 2019, right? At the show at the mall, there was a guy that came to me after the show and said, Hey man, you got a great voice. Um, there's some people that I know that I want you to connect with. And, uh, I, I had the opportunity to, you know, chat with the, uh, these people and, you know, they've, they've worked with, you know, they've, they've written songs alongside Garth Brooks and they've had Tim McGraw at their house and they've, you know, people that are well vested, been in the business, you know, understand, understand it. Um, and, that gentleman that liked my voice knew him and then I got connected with him and you know, he, he's been coaching me and just guiding me and very cutthroat and telling me the truth. And this is what it takes. And this is what you need to do. And mm -hmm. this is what you need to work on. And this is what you don't need to do. And, you know, and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and just slicing and dicing and cutting and, you know, and all, all, all of that, but that's what it takes. Sure. If you want to, you know, because they all ask, you know, the grandfathers of the business, they all ask the young bucks. They all ask, what do you want? What is it that you want to accomplish? You know, um, and if whatever your answer is, you know, they're going to give you the truth, you know, of what it's going to take. Because mm -hmm. they already know. They've ar they already know what it takes. Yeah. Regardless of how much the music business has changed, regardless of, you know, um, just, you know, different ways to make money and all that, but there's still some truths that, you know, this is what it's going to take in order for you to even get there, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, you develop, you start, you start getting people part of the team, you know, he's more of, he's more of the person on my team that, um, helps with, um, my vocal, my, my vocal part of my act. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in 2020, I've, I've recently come across some people that are more on the writing side and the publishing side, you know, so they're, they've, they're, they're, everyone kind of has their, you know, um, everyone kind of has their place, yeah. you know, and it, it, it takes, it takes time, you know, um, I mean, these are, these are about a year apart and meeting two different people, yeah, you know, so to have everyone kind of in the right place to build the team, you know, <clears throat> if I, stay on this kind of rate of, okay, now I got the writers in place. Mm -hmm. Now I have the, the vocal coaches in place. Now I need the promoters. Now I need the, you know, um, you know, the advertisers. Now I need the public, you know, you get everyone kind of in their right place. That could be probably four or five, six years from now, Yeah, you know, but that's, it takes time. Yeah. You know, it's not an overnight process. The artists that have overnight success or so they call it, that's not even what happened. Yeah. That's just what it looks like to the uh -huh, public. Sure. You know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I landed some connections with, um, um, you know, my show at the mall. And then I was playing a couple of shows, um, in Apple Valley, um, previously this year where some people were in the crowd. And that's another thing too, is you never know who's in the crowd. Yeah. You never know who's watching or listening. You never you never know who's watching or listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you go to these shows, even if it's paid or unpaid, bring your A game. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Give it all you've got, you know, 
Um, cause it'll pay off. Yeah. Um, he pulled me aside and said, man, you got a great delivery on your songs. Um, I'd really like to work with you and kind of just guide you if you want anything. And, you know, I've been part of the Grand Ole Opry and, you know, I've been, you know, uh, had some number one hits, you know, for George Strait and, um, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, um, but you got to be willing to learn. You got to be teachable. Yeah. You can't talk to these guys and think, and, you know, like you know it all. Yeah. They don't want to work with know it alls. You know, yeah. <laughs> they've made their millions. Yeah. They got better steak to eat. They don't have to spend time with me. Yeah. You know, um, character is huge too. Um, you know, in, you know, integrity, sincerity, those are all like kind of pillars of country music. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you, you got to kind of have all that, you know? Um, and so, and then, you know, then, then you start talking, you start building a relationship and it's a slow process. And, you know, then they, then they start opening up other doors to, you know, you know, their connections and mm-hmm. their, you know, and then, and sooner or later you got, you got the team built, yeah. you know? Um, and that's kind of the path I'm on now. Um, I've completely surrendered the reality that I'm going to be the superstar. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because it's too much to think about all at once. To be the writer, the performer, everything, it's just too much. Um, and I've, I've been guided in developing that mentality through these connections. Saying, you know, they, they tell me, Quentin, you gotta, you're an excellent writer. You got to hone in on this, you know, because if you're splitting yourself, you know, seven different ways, that's seven different channels of energy that you're putting out. Yeah. You know, but if you take all of those, you know, all of that energy and laser beam in it, you laser beam it on one specific, you know, department. For me, it's my writing. You're you're going to pull in that much success that much quicker, you know, because all of your all of your energy is going into writing, 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 writing. So I had to surrender, you know, people ask me all the time, well, when's your next show? I don't have the energy right now to, to, to do a lot of big shows. Uh You know, I'll do, I'll do gigs and stuff like that. But right now my focus is my writing, Yeah, you know, because if, you know, I don't want to be 75 years old, God, God, you know, by God's grace, I make it to make it there and not have anything to show for it Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to be the superstar. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Right. Yeah. So, I wanna. I've been honing in on their advice, saying Good. okay. And you're All being right. you're being teachable. Yeah, I said okay. All right, I'll let go of this. I'll let go of the mentality. Um, and it's not a bad thing to want to be a superstar. No, absolutely. But you gotta, not. you gotta, you know, you really at some point as an artist, you really have to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. You really have to be truthful. And look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. This is what needs improvement. Um, and this is how much time I have, you know, and, you know, you really got to, you got to be honest with, you know, with, uh, with yourself. Well, like I've said, I know you're going to be successful and, uh, I look forward to what's coming up for you in the near future, the future, the present, um, all of that stuff. And when you do have another show, uh, 
don't just put it on your Facebook. Send me a text <laughs> so then I can go. I will. And yeah. then I can get all cowboyed up like I did that night in Delano because that was a fun night. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I um, sang with my duet partner. Yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. So uh, make sure you let me know. And, of course, I'm sure there's so many other people out there be like, oh, yeah, you got to let me know. You got to let me know. But uh, I better find out through a text message and on Facebook. Yeah. I think this year um, I do have some things in the works, um, hopefully a couple of a couple of festivals, um, and then an, um, hopefully do a tribute international uh, show uh, over overseas that's kind of in the works, too. That's pretty cool. So doing a Garth Brooks tribute in Belgium. That's so. awesome. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. Well, so. I won't be at that one. Well, I mean, well, who knows? Maybe I will. Who knows? I mean, if you need a roadie or something like that, you know, I mean. Yeah, I might need a wingman out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, uh, it's good stuff. It really is. All right. So a um, couple of things. Uh, every point in my show, I like to uh, ask the guests something, because this, this podcast, the whole reason behind it is positivity and to see perseverance, resilience, and obviously right. uh, we've experienced that through your story in your lifetime. So what I'd like to ask is, uh, what's one thing positive that happened to you today? Uh, what's one thing positive that happened to me today? Um, I think one thing positive is um, just people are people are really responding to um, – um, just, uh, I got an email. Um, there's a couple of people that I'm kind of coaching now. Mm -hmm. Um, and they just, they're just really appreciative of the fact that I'm kind of give them, giving them a different perspective on some things, um, in regards to the music and the music business and what I know now and what I've, what I'm continuing to learn. And they're really, uh, they're really, you know, to say, Hey man, I just really appreciate you for, you know, for, uh, for sticking your neck out and, you know, kind of teaching us, you know? Um, so, cause you know, the Bible is very clear and that's what I believe it says, you know, people suffer cause of lack of knowledge, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and the more I know, the more I can give, you know? So, um, yeah, it was really cool to get that email and, you know, uh, the fact that I'm, I'm appreciated, I'm, I'm valued. Um, you know, I'm not just, all of this will not be in vain. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I would definitely say that's a positive thing mm -hmm. for the day is that people are, you know, thanking you for, for being you and helping them out. Yeah. You know, it's, the world is very selfish. Mm -hmm. Um, we all, I want to see everyone win in their own way. Yeah, for you sure. Know? I mean, uh, my success will be mine and yours will be yours. Uh, if I can help you do this or or figure this out, and you can help me figure this out, then then why not? You know, for sure. No need to be stingy and be Grinch like. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, and the other thing is uh, to paint a picture for the listeners. Uh, Quentin shows up in true Quentin fashion as he always does at my house. Never does not have a cowboy hat on, and. Uh, Came in with a nice black Stetson. I think it's a Stetson. Is it called a Stetson? Uh, actually, that's not a Stetson. But that is a very unique hat. Okay. Well, yeah. a unique cowboy hat. Mm -hmm. See, I'm just a fake cowboy. I just uh, 
you know, I got, big. I got one hat and <laughs> a big cowboy, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. So, but, uh, the other thing that he did bring is he brought his guitar. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind just, uh, yeah. Singing a, like a couple tunes, maybe a tune or two. Yeah. Sure. Just, yeah. And whatever you want. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let me pull out my guitar here real quick. All right. And, uh, I guess whatever you want to play is, uh, up to you. And it's too bad that we don't have like a live call in where we could ask people to, uh, actually, you know, pretend or request songs from you. But, uh, how about, can I make a request to you? Yes. Uh, what, what, what's your request? What's, let me see we'll if I know. See, we'll see if you grant, well, I, what I'd like to do is like, where the crowd erupted is I would like to hear just maybe a verse or two of Thunder Rolls. <laughs> sure. I mean, I've heard it before. You've come over here for football Sunday and uh, have played it. But uh, I think this right here, where it was a great success for you, um, I think that uh, I think the listeners would like to listen to a little bit of that if we can figure out the uh, headphones and the cord and, the cord yeah. and all that. And the so, corn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a, a Freudian angry. slip or anything like that. So uh, well, let's uh, let's see what you got. All right. You got to remember. I haven't sang this in a while. Three thirty in the morning, not a soul inside. She's looking like a ghost town on a moonless summer night. Raindrops on the windshield, there's a storm moving in. My voice is a little tight. Sorry about that. No worries on that, man. This is raw. <laughs> this is uncut. This is uh, this is how we experience it, right? Yeah. Hold on. One. Let me let me get my voice right. <laughs> All right. We got uh, warm up. Uh, truth, truth or not, I've uh, I've been doing a lot of writing and not not so much singing. So all right. If you're not if you're not singing, you're, uh, well, I hate to put you on the spot then. No, that's all right. <clears throat> Three thirty in the morning. I don't know if I can do. I can. I don't know if I can hit that. Uh, All right. Well, how about that. how about something else? Then? Yeah, I'll sing. I'll sing whatever. Sing. Whatever else. That the the world is your oyster, Quentin. So such a disappointment. No, man. not at all. Not at all. Terrible. Um, okay. All right. Let's do this. This old man and me We're at the bar and we We're having us a beer and Swiping out on cares Talking politics Blonde and redhead chicks Old dogs and new tricks And habits we ain't kicked We talked about God's grace And all the hell we raised and I heard the old man say, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. You guys know that one, Billy Currington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely know that one for sure. <clears throat> Let me uh, 
Just my vo- my my vo- vocal cords are warming up a little bit. Um, let's do. This is a new one that I just kind of um, just kind of wrote uh, for my for my grandpa. Let me. Uh, this thing when you're always writing, you're always writing stuff down. Yeah, for sure. Um, he passed away a couple of a uh, couple of days ago. Yeah, and I'm uh, condolences to uh, you and everyone uh, involved in that because. Uh, uh, I've been following that journey on uh, on Facebook, so thank you. Uh, and I actually, talked to you a couple of days about it too, because I know you're traveling and stuff. So, the older I get. more I lose 91 years given it's a hell of a lifetime but in the blink of night gone too soon from the Korean War to a father of four one of them I get to call my dad God if you're listening Keep them in your hands Could you turn back the clocks Go for a ride in his old green Chevy truck Catch a baseball game where he'd spit in the cup Crack your knuckles time he shook your hand Lord, could you turn back the clocks To see, to see Grandpa That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, belting out a couple of tunes you and bet. Uh, and uh, putting you and Johnny on the spot there for without <laughs> no, it's okay. without warming up and that's stuff right. like that. No, so. it's, it's it's the truth, and that's and that's one thing too. You know, for all the you know artists out there is, is you know you gotta. I've been spending a lot of time writing, and you know, not not so much time on my voice, and you know, the voice does get tight, and uh, it's a muscle. You know, you gotta you gotta exercise it. You gotta keep it. Uh, keep it going so that's i need to i need to do some vocal exercises after this so <laughs> yeah well maybe yeah. it was a little motivation and whatnot but uh yeah um all right so thanks again for uh playing that music i always enjoy listening to you uh play and all of that but yeah. uh, uh a couple other things that i like to do on the podcast before we wind down um do you want to give out you know, we talked about Jennifer and, you know, your parents and stuff like that. But um, are there any, is there anybody else out there that uh, you want to give a shout out to helping you out or getting to you to where, or just some people that you want to thank that kind of stick out into your mind uh, to just give them some recognition um, for getting you to where you are or making you who you are today or who you're going to be in the future or, or whatnot? Yeah, um, I want to give a shout out to um, uh, my mom and dad. Number one, um, mom and dad—they're always—they've uh, always been in my corner. Um, <laughs> they've always told me the truth. Um, they've always saved me from embarrassment and just really. Um, 
just believed in me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as locally here, because uh, they're they're back in Illinois in Big Rock, but as far as locally here, I, I really want to give a shout out to uh, my good friend. Um, uh, she goes by the name of Paper Doll. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of songs together. In fact, one of the songs that we've done together and have written together, um, has had, had some success, uh, publishing wise. Um, and, um, she's just been, uh, in my corner as well and in, inspired me. And if you, if you guys ever get to see her play, she's, uh, she's, uh, she sings like a, like a mockingbird. She's got, she's got great energy. Um, and, um, just for all the, um, the vent, a lot of the venue hosts, um, you know, Nick, uh, um, Nick Hensley, um, guy that does a Minnesota singer songwriters round, um, Don Strong, um, you know, um, gosh, there's one other guy, I've, uh, what's his, what's his name? JT, uh, he does, um, um, he does an open mic at the uh, Sociable Cider Works. And these are all places where artists come, they learn, they grow, they perform. Um, you know, but these guys put on these shows every, you know, they host these shows every week. And so, uh, really, really thankful for them for providing th- these venues to, because without them, you know, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be the same artist as I am today. Um, so, um, you know, you can look them up on, on Facebook and, you know, if you want to connect with them, great guys, they understand what it, you know, they understand the, the, the venues and the shows and, and whatnot. So, um, if you're looking for some places to play, contact them again, that's Don Strong, JT Veal, uh, and, uh, Nick Hensley. So they, they, they put on great venues. So, all right. That's uh, perfect. And how about a little bit of advice for people out there that uh, are artists and singer, songwriter, you know, anything along those lines? Uh, what kind of advice can well, you give Well, the first thing I would say is don't ever stop singing or your voice is going to lock up on you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, there no, we go. But, but, you know, if I could give any any kind of advice, I would say... Always believe that the only thing in the way of any kind of success is you. Okay. Never make it someone else's responsibility to acquire any kind, any acquire the success that you want. Um, own your craft, hone in on it, believe in it, breathe it, live it. Um, you know, and just know that you are the reason of, of why, of, of what's going to get you to the next level. Um, it's just too much, it's too much to put that on anyone else. Though there will be people that come along the way that will help you and guide you, but you are the reason, um, own that, hone into it, develop that mentality Look yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself, I will get there. I will make it. I will succeed. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will survive. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But that's uh, that's what it takes. So um, that's my advice. All right. That's uh, that's 
That's great advice. Yeah. So in uh, closing, Quentin, uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on uh, on the show today. Uh, greatly appreciate it. It's always good catching up with you. And you bet. Uh, I got to learn a lot more things that I never knew about you <laughs> tonight. You, so that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, for you, the listeners, if you have any questions or comments about today's podcast or want to be considered as a guest, please email us at tellmystory76 at gmail.com. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Tell Your Story.